0: Let's pray. God, in the midst of um, trouble and difficulty, people are experiencing it in their own lives, whether it's with their own work or situations in their home. We even, as a church, have things going on. And yet, through it all, I just want to stand up and praise you, with all these people here. You are so good and gracious and generous, so kind and loving and merciful. And we just want to walk in that way. God, we want to be known in this city, not for some name that we can make for ourselves, but that you would be known. That indescribable, unbelievable, wonder filled name, Jesus. Release your Holy Spirit that we would walk in this, in this incredible love and freedom that only you can provide. Just thank you for the quiet even in this moment. Spirit of God, I ask that you'd even come now in this quiet. And begin to mend and heal. Begin to cause us to, in places where we're hard, and maybe angry with someone, to be able to kind of hold back and to pull back and to allow your spirit to work and to move through us. we worship you because you are so worthy we worship you God i just think of people's lives that just that we've been praying for people who have experienced healing by your hand and for others God whom we're praying for you hear our prayers i pray this in jesus name amen you know when I read the New Testament, sometimes when I look at the early church as it's described in the book of Acts, and you read it in Galatians, and you read it in places like that, I, I can't help but sometimes think of you know, these, these second-rate futuristic scientific, you know, science fiction movies. You know what I mean? Kind of those B-grade movies where you have Martians coming and, and taking over the world. I mean, how do you recall Buck Rogers? I don't. I only saw some when I was a kid, and they were etched on my memory because they looked so funny to me. But I I know that it was a comics and in the TVs and Buck Rogers and his friend Buddy, right, was going after um, Killer Kane. And you have these situations at times where the Martians come and they invade the earth and, and they actually take these ray guns and they, they shoot some people and they, they almost become zombie-like. They're under the power of the spell of these Martians and the whole world's going to die and, and come under the spell of these Martians except for one guy like Buck Rogers who with maybe a heroine. And, and you know, all the B-grade movies that kind of follow the same theme, maybe a little more graphic when we're up to date. And you, you see these, these, this world coming under the spell. And when I read Galatians, Paul in Galatians one is going, oh, who has come? What Martians have come and put you under the spell, that you would trade this incredible good news that sets you free to walk in the love of God and love other people, without regard to all kinds of rules and looking at what other people think and living in such a way that you measure people with superficial things by possibly the clothes they wear or the things that they say and all these little measures and by what they might do rather than what's going on in the heart and he goes in Galatians 1 he goes who put you under a spell and then Galatians 2 you see this incredible coming together here of Paul he meets with Peter James and John first part of chapter 2 and he meets with these guys in a, in, a, in a private session. They went up there to bring a gift to the poor in that area of Judea. And, and Paul kind of on the side goes, you know, can I meet with you guys for a moment? We need to talk because God's doing some incredible things in Antioch. and I just want to make sure that someone doesn't come in and spoil what God's doing there. So let's just get this straight. And they, they actually shake hands. They extend what's called the right hand of a fellowship, which must means that we're in agreement. We believe the same thing. Although Peter, your message is to the Jews. Paul, we recognize yours is to the Gentiles. Go get them. How exciting. And then somehow we get to chapter 2 and the Martians get a hold of Peter. He's been raid gunned in some way. And and it's amazing because you read chapter 2, verse 11. It says in verse 11, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. And the other Jews joined him in the hypocrisy So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one, no one will be justified. Imagine confronting Peter. Imagine being Buck Rogers Paul so to speak here is here is paul who walks up to this man who had preached this message before thousands of people it says three thousand at pentecost come to faith in jesus and he gets up close to his face this man who actually walked on the water and he looks him in the eye in front of all these people and he says peter buddy you're not acting in line with the truth of what we know about the gospel. In fact, you're living a lie and you're leading a whole bunch of other people to live this lie. You've got to straighten up and get your act together. You can't play acting in this situation. And so he rebukes him to his face. It's a monumental issue that is at stake, folks, at this point in chapter 2 of Galatians. It looks like something you pass by as Paul is getting to the heart of the Gospel, which we'll talk about next week. This idea of keeping in line, steady, straight in the Gospel is something we'll talk about even more next week. But he at this point is talking about a time in the church that was so significant because there was the possibility of a group of people being led astray. And and turning just slightly so that no longer are they living under the work that has been done by Jesus that sets you free to love Him and to experience His love so that you can experience and express that love to other people. But the slight shift is now. It's not so much what God has done, but what you are doing. And as you are doing it, you are looking by your religious observances and acts and the things that you are doing, the activity that you're doing, these external things. You begin to live for the eye of other people. Their approval. That looks right. That looks good. Oh yeah, he must be in. Rather than living out of this incredible freedom that God gives us, that is truly the only way that we experience the love of God and walk in that love and express with other people. This was huge. Monumental. Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 16, is one of those critical moments in the development of the church. It seemed like everyone but Paul was willing to compromise this simple message of the gospel, this good news that saves you from living for others and living bound by some laws. And it's the greatest threat to the community, and it will always be the greatest threat to the community. It is not from something outside us. Honestly, folks, it's not the world outside us that is our greatest threat. The greatest threat to this community, the greatest threat to your individual life spiritually, is not from some external pressure, but it's from the internal pressure that forms and forces you to start living in ways that you grew up in that you began to understand even as a child that that through external pressure you begin to live for that which is out here rather than from that which comes from God from within by the Holy Spirit when you look at these verses there's a number of important things that I want us to focus on and the the first thing is this I want you to note How easy it is to fall away from God's grace. The the simple message of the gospel. For it is the power of God for everything in life. Not for a few things, not just to get saved for a moment, but for eternity, forever, in all that you do, in every relationship, for every sin that would come into your life, for everything that would injure you or injure someone else. It is the gospel that has the power that comes from God, that in relationship to Him, Changes everything. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't really understand that, I just encourage you to press into this because it is the truth that transforms your entire life. And it is also this truth that you can know and experience, but you can fall away from. In fact, even those, as Paul says in the first part of Galatians, seemed to be leaders who seemed to be important. Those reputed pillars of the faith who seemed to have it all together fall into the pressure of a religiously ruled based relationship with God. In fact, it's amazing. The leaders that we read about here in Scripture have the ability to fall away from the grace and walking in the good news of this message to move into religion, to move into religious activity. Legalism and the hypocrisy that goes with it is so easy to slip into. In fact, that's what happens with Peter. It amazes me. When I think of Peter, and I think Peter could fall into this, think about this. If Peter could fall into this, couldn't Anybody? Peter walked for three years with Jesus. Peter saw Jesus confront the Pharisees. Peter saw Jesus so in touch with the love of God and in the sense of his identity in his Father that he was able to stand up against all this legalism and hypocrisy. Peter saw it all. He saw the miracles. And yet, as we read here in Scripture, we find that even Peter, who not only saw all that, had not only experienced it in his life, even sets the course for the church at one point, yet falls away. Let me share with you what I mean by he sets the course for the church. You need to understand what's happened in the history of the church. We've done this the last few weeks, and and we'll keep doing this because I think it helps you understand the history behind this letter of Galatians. In chapter 1 of verses 13 through 16, we come upon Paul explaining his Damascus road experience. He's basically going back and saying, it's the gospel that changed my life at this road in Damascus. And, and then we read that soon after that experience that he has with the grace of God and, and this message of the gospel, chapter 1, verse 17, Paul goes to Arabia. He heads from way up north down into the desert of Arabia for three years where he begins to hear the voice of God, listen to this, and, take, and let this experience that he had with God and the word of God begin to penetrate his heart and cause him to know him at a deep, deep level so that we read, and he capsulizes this is in verse 17 of 1 that he comes back to Damascus. So after he goes to Arabia, he comes back to Damascus. He goes to Damascus, he preaches for a while. He is so learned and understanding in his mind with regard to the Old Testament and how to apply it to the message of Jesus that he does it so well, I think out of his own strength and flesh, that they begin to persecute him, they cause him to run. He goes to Jerusalem. We read that again in Galatians chapter 1 verse 18. He goes up to Jerusalem the first time, spends 15 days with them. He's not there long with them before he gets into trouble again as he's out preaching and teaching, because he's just one who loves to share the message of God. He creates such a stir, such a controversy, he's out in his own flesh and his own strength doing it, that eventually what happens is um, the brothers come around him and they send him off to his hometown Tarsus, or as we read here in verse 21, to Syria and Cilicia. He goes there for 11 years, possibly 14, depending on what commentators you read. Now, you have to understand what's happening with Peter during this time. See, after he sent to Tarsus, at a certain point, Antioch starts to see Greeks starting to come to faith in Christ. Barnabas and a group of people there are seeing people come to faith in Christ who are not Jews, but who are Gentiles. They're outside the faith, and they're seeing this happen. He, Barnabas, knows that Paul has an ability to relate to this group, calls him from Tarsus, and Paul starts working with them. At the same time, here's what's going on with Peter. You need to turn to Acts chapter 10. We read that Peter in Acts chapter 10 has this direct revelation from God. He goes to this place, a city called Joppa. He's at a man's house. It's around noon. He goes to the rooftop patio, he's hungry, and he begins to pray. He falls into a trance. As he's on the rooftop in prayer, in this trance, he sees a vision from God. And on this, in this vision, he sees a sheet that's let down. And on this sheet are birds and reptiles, unclean things that Jews would not eat. And he hears a voice, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter objects because he's a good Jew. He's not going to eat unclean things. The voice then says again, do not call anything impure that God has made clear. This happens three times. Again, just a little aside, three, the number three in Scripture is important. Jesus rose on the third day. You can read all throughout. The, it's, it's God divinely acts. Somehow this divine act takes place and Peter gets it. And what you read about in chapter 10 is that while Peter was contemplating this vision on the rooftop, some men come to the door and start knocking on the door. They have come from a man named Cornelius. They are servants of Cornelius who lives a village or so away. They come knocking on the door. They had been sent by Cornelius because Cornelius, about the same time, maybe a little earlier than when Peter was, he is also having a vision. And it says that he distinctly sees an angel. And the angel says, you know what? There's a person who can help you understand my love for you in a sense. And he says, send "Send some people to this man named Peter. So Peter's on the rooftop. And it says, while Peter, uh, chapter 10, verse 20, was thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to Peter, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And I get this picture of Peter walking down the stairs, and down there, are these three men waiting. Peter goes with these men and he shares the story of Jesus to Cornelius and his household. Chapter 10, verse 44 and 45. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. This is huge in the life of the church. And Peter is so excited, he baptizes him. They're full-blown followers of Jesus who give evidence of the Holy Spirit. Impetuous Peter doesn't require them to be circumcised or anything else, any other rules. He basically says, you Gentiles are in. You're a part of the kingdom of God. You're a part of the community, the church of God. So Peter returns to Jerusalem and shares his story. What's interesting is in the book of Acts, you know, again, parchment, you have to realize in that day was expensive. So if you're going to spend a couple pages on something, that's significant. So you have Acts chapter 10. Now you go to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 is Peter explaining his actions to the church, those circumcised Jews. It says in 1 through 3 of 11, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, Catch this. This is amazing. The circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised and you ate with them? Peter, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Peter explains the whole thing. Talks about this Gentile centurion, Cornelius, has a vision, explains the whole thing to him. And he tells them what happens in Acts 11. To get to verse 18, it says, When they heard this, they had no further objections, but praise God, saying, So then, God has even granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. This is happening in the life of Peter, who seems to be getting it, right? At the same time, in the church in Antioch, these Gentiles are coming to faith. Paul meets with them. Peter decides at a certain point to go back to Antioch. To see what's going on there. So, verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch. You get the history? Here's what's going on. I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. I mean, wouldn't you think of all people, he has experienced walking with Jesus, he has experienced the grace of God through Jesus when he reinstated him three times, said, I love you, I love you, just love others, basically. Basically. And then he has this experience of vision, and he sees Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit comes on him. Here's Peter, I mean, enmeshed in the grace and goodness of God. Shakes hands with Paul, goes to Antioch, and Paul has to stand him up to his face. Verse 12 Before certain men came from James, doesn't mean that James was one who believed in this. But you have to remember, in this time in the church, God was doing a new things, and things are confusing. Peter comes. He used to eat with the Gentiles. But when these guys arrived, he drew back, and he separated himself. And he used to have ham and bacon with these guys. Honest. That's what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, these guys show up, and he starts... Changing the way he's living. Moments prior, he's enjoying the grace of God. He's expressing the love of God in relationship with these other people who would also experience the grace grace and love of God. I just want to say is don't think for a moment, folks, that because you have an experience with the grace of God, because a church has had an experience with the grace of God and has had the message of God, don't think for a moment. That you can't fall away from that line of walking straight in the gospel and begin to move to a rules-related relationship. That you can begin to start moving to a relationship that's more concerned with what other people think than what's going on in your own heart. It happened to Peter. And if it could happen to Peter, it could happen to any one of us. Let me also just share with you, when God begins to do a new thing and He moves in a new way, as you read this passage of Scripture, you have to understand that when God begins to move in a new way, it is never an easy thing and without struggle. The struggle we experience even now as a church, as God is moving in some new ways, is all part of that process. And all part of that process of how we love and we stand together, even as we walk that line and seek to stay in the gospel. See, letting go of old patterns and and moving into new things is never an easy thing. You know what's especially tough is that when you have been touched by a certain way by God, to let go and to let new things come in that touch people in new ways is very difficult. I, I mean, you just have to, I understand how difficult this is. Imagine the people who, who, was be, who were being written to in the letter of Hebrews. The letter of Hebrews was written to who? Jewish believers. Who were having a difficult time with what? Letting go of ceremonial law? Letting go of the sacrificial system? Letting go of some, some very, I don't even, don't even want to use the word legalistic in a bad way, but things that they did, that when they did it, they experienced the presence of God. It is really hard to let go of things through avenues that we've once experienced the presence of God and to say, God, now do a new thing. And I think that's what's going on here. One of the reasons it's so easy to fall back into a rule-based relationship as we look at this passage of Scripture, so easy for Peter to fall back in that way, is because we all grow up in sinful environments. We all grow up in environments where we do not experience the full, pure love and goodness of God. I don't care if you were brought up in the best environment. God tells us that sin enters everywhere. It's total. And what happens is you grow up in this environment and you begin to live it out. And you live it out in these ways where you begin to understand and know people's acceptance and affirmation. And you all and all of us live expressing our life seeking to understand and to move into those ways where we are affirmed and we are approved and we are accepted. And what is the miracle of God is the moment we come into that situation and understand that, the way that we live in relationship to Him is not in our own strength in seeking that, gaining that acceptance and affirmation and approval from others, but it is purely knowing it from God, and it is something only He can do. The reason it is so difficult and so easy to slip back into any kind of rule-oriented, kind of legalistic, hypocritical way of living is because of that very simple truth. We all grew up in environments that set us on that course. And throughout our life, our sanctification is learning to walk in the pure understanding of His love and His work in our lives. And it it is not necessarily an easy process. The pull backwards, away from, downward, is not only difficult, not only is it a struggle because it's new, it's contagious. In fact, if you read verses 12-13 again, he says, Before certain men came from James, he, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back, separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Do you see the progression? It begins first with Peter. He draw back he's drawing back. Everybody else is looking and saying, "What is Peter doing?" When they see Peter, who is a leader, draw back, the rest of them begin to draw back. And even catches even Barnabas. He was the guy who was a part of helping that church flourish. He was one of the guys that that cheered on the work that was happening with these Gentiles. And even Barnabas is affected by the falling away and the moving away, this progressive, contagious sense of legalism. And it's so subtle. Verse 14. This is when I saw them... They were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. The words are graphic. Acting in line means a steady, straight course that you're following as you walk in in this love of God. And all it means is you begin to veer off just a little bit. Now let me share with you the danger. What happens when you start to fall away from the simple truth of the gospel that has the power of God to transform lives? Here's what happens. This is what we seem to see in here. It creates a class Christianity. It creates a class system. We begin to separate and divide, not by heart, but by behavior. Verse 12, Peter used to eat, but when they arrived, he did what? He drew back and he separated. Isn't it amazing? Here is these community they're they're united they're one they're experiencing the love of god because they their standing is not based on what they're doing their standing is based on the fact that they are sons and daughters of god all labels have been removed in their life it's he goes on in galatians a little later in chapter three to say they're neither jew nor gentile neither slave nor free neither male nor female in jesus you're just what you're in jesus and he says all of a sudden now Peter's drawing back and there's the Gentile group and then there's the more spiritual Jewish circumcised group. And it happens anytime you begin to move into a rule-based relationship. Anytime you begin to come more legalistic than walking in the pure love of God that you express his, you experience his love and then express his love. It creates a first and a second class spirituality. There's an in-group and an out-group. Spirituality is measured by what you do and what you don't do. And you lose all matters of the heart. The very thing that Jesus came to, to define and to, to um, declare. He looks at a group of people and he says, you have, you've heard it said, right? He said, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. What do I tell you? Quit looking at the externals. Because if you have anger in your heart, you're already judged. He looks at a group of people who are looking at the externals and they're feeling good because they're meeting the minimum requirements of the legalistic law that they've set up. They know there's other people who have committed adultery and they've done things that are really bad. And so there's the bad people and we're the kind of in-group who haven't done some of those things. And he says, you've all heard it said. Don't commit adultery. But I give you a new rule. A new law. It's one you can't even see. It's one that God sees. And that is you, you can't even with, with lost in your heart look at another person and you've already committed adultery. Jesus changes the whole thing. And he says there isn't an in and out group according to some kind of superficial spiritual laws that we set up. There is a heart matter that is in relationship to God that you know before God. And the only person who's really going to make a difference is not the people looking in, but that God looks into your heart. And if you know your own heart and you see the sin in your heart, you only have really one response. And that's to get on your knees and say, thank you, God, for your grace, for your love. And as a result of that, I don't want to live in ways that hurt and offend you, nor hurt and offend others, nor actually destroy who I am within my person. When you're in this position on your knees, we're all we're all pretty equal, are we not? And Paul is so concerned because what happens so often in in religious settings is we move towards religious activity, and this religious activity gets measured by what we can see. So that we begin to live by what other people are looking at, and we begin to make decisions based on not the heart that God is leading us with, but with what we think they might go. Boy, you really are spiritual. Join this group. The kingdom of God is different than that. It is not a boundary ruled community where people are in and out. It is a relationally based community where once people have experienced the grace of God and they, on their knees in humility, understand that, but by His grace, I am a sinner like you, at that point, we understand the distinction is not in and out, good and bad, it's immature and mature and some people through religious activity and behavior and the way they dress or the way they talk whatever it is may look mature but their hearts may not be and paul saw this so fundamental he saw this as so important that he was willing to courageously stand up to a guy who seem to have it all together and say, guess what, Peter? You may have walked on water. You may have seen 3,000 comes of faith in Christ. But you're really not walking the walk right now. And what you're doing is leading people into a class Christianity. And beyond that, not just a class Christianity, you know what it creates? It creates a culture of fear. It moves to a fear-based, driven relationship. In fact, if you continue to read on in verse 12 and 13, it says that when he arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself. The classes began because he was what afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Peter's more concerned about how he looks and what his friends of James will think and say than he is doing what he knows is right before God. And you go, how could Peter do that? Because you know what? Peter, like all of us, grew up in these environments where there are certain people in certain circumstances that we fall back into that place of our own weakness and we give way to fear. Every one of us. There are situations that you're going to walk into that you know probably from a child and from your own family of origin situation or, or maybe the own weakness of your own character that as you walk into it, you're more concerned about what those people are thinking about you than you are about what God is thinking. Happens in the workplace. Happens with certain people you work with. You want their approval. Happens in school. Certain students and others that you have around you you just are more concerned. You, you begin to live this incredibly horrible place of living and that's out of fear. God never intended any of us to live out of fear. I hate it. I hate that place. And so not only does it create classes by behavior, it creates a community that's driven by fear rather than by what? The love of God. And here's, here's the thing that's the worst of it all. Because God can look down and he feels bad when we break into these classes and racial and all kinds of different distinctions based on our own feeling good about ourselves. And he hates the fact that we'll allow ourselves to be enslaved by fear and not driven by his, his, his love, that he sees you as beautiful. Just think about it. If you, you walk knowing all the time that God sees you as beautiful, it sets you free to be you. But he, he'll even, you know, that. But here's the thing that's the worst part of it. It moves you into what I call a self-focused life rather than a God-focused life. It removes all your power. It removes all the things that God wants you to experience. You begin to start self-focusing on yourself. It's very narcissistic. It reinforces a false spirituality based upon what I have done and not what God is doing or has done. Right? Right? What you start to look at is your own behaviors, your own activities, or a person's behavior and activities. And as you look at those things and what they're doing, the focus is on you and not God. The whole message of the Gospel is the power of God is in it because of the love and grace that He gives you so that you can begin to walk in the truth and begin to express love towards others. So that as you begin to walk in that and you begin to see the supernatural power of God transform your heart and as your heart begins to change and you begin to start doing things that by the past your habit was just the opposite, you go, wow, wasn't I great? No. You go, God is incredible. And I tell you, what, what Satan and, and, and what all his dominion of demons want to have happen in your life he wants you to begin, start walking, so you create classes, you live in fear, and as you live in fear, you become so self-focused, so narcissistic, so that when you even begin to do good things, you start to congratulate yourself, and you say, wow, wasn't I great? And all the focus it turns, it's no longer on God. But it's on you. Look how I witness to this person. Look how I gave this money. Look, look how I attend every Sunday. Look at how I actually use my spiritual gifts this way. Baloney! God saved you. And He calls you to live in the straight line of His love always. Because it's in that love that Jesus lived. Jesus lived constantly in the identity of His Father's love. And because He lived in the Father's love, He could stand up to the Pharisees and religious leaders of His day and look them in the eyes and say, what you're doing is wrong. And He could could see a person who was trapped in adultery, and he could kneel down and begin to comfort that person through writing in some sand. He could, he could see some tax collectors who, who felt so ostracized, so because of this class system, so removed, because of this fear-driven society, that he could actually eat with Listen, he could actually eat with them. And what did the Pharisees say? I can't believe that you're eating with them. What did the circumcised believers say to Peter? I can't believe that you're eating with them. I can't believe you're fellowshipping, you're, you're joining hands with, you're, you're spending time with, you're getting to know, you're beginning to understand the heart of these people who feel so turned away from God. I can't believe that. And the result is, is not because of something in us, it's because solely God's love. And that's what Jesus lived in. His work. And it all comes back to that. Salvation. It is not just something that happens once in your life, but that continues to work itself in your life day in and day out. God's saving power and work and love in your life every day as you live it is that which comes from God. It's not based on a thing that we or you do. You can't make that happen. It would be as foolish as if I made this statement You know, if if I was to say, put Michael Phelps and me on the shores of California. And if. Yeah, see. And for those of you who are listening by tape, there's a picture of me that looks really fantastic next to Michael Phelps. Anyway. And someone said, if you two guys, either one of you can swim all the way. To the shore of Hawaii, you'll get a million bucks, which isn't much when you consider the bonuses given the AG. But let's just figure for a second. (laughs) That's the reward. Now, how many would place your money on me? Let's just say you can bet today. okay? Oh, yeah. One person. (laughs) Ooh, you're going to lose because you know what? Neither of us could make it to the shore of Hawaii. It's not within our strength and power to do that. If we're going to make it there, we either got to catch a submarine, a ship, a hot air balloon, or a plane. And when we get to the other side, we cannot brag about the fact that in our own strength we made it. We will have to all look and say, this vessel, this vehicle, this empowered me to do what, what I just got to. In the church that is going to experience the power of God surging through its veins and and empowering its muscles is the church that understands that it is only by the love of God and that life that I live in that will create a unity. It will create a love, not a fear, that focus all attention on Him. May God do that. Let's pray father this is our prayer i believe this is our prayer as a body that we will let you move all of us into a place where you receive great glory and praise and in it we experience incredible freedom and love in the name of jesus we pray amen